Our guest today is Sean Rubin of the Highlander Institute. Hey. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Sean, would you share with our listeners um, who you are, what you do, and uh, why you're here at the Aurora Institute, um, your passions for education? Yeah. Um, so, I am the Chief Education Officer at the Highlander Institute. We're a nonprofit in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, we work at the point of implementation with uh, schools and districts. Recently, we've um, really gotten a lot more deep around school change for personalization and formation of design teams that honor local stakeholder voice and really think about the local context in terms of school change and design. Um, and then we work for multiple years with those, with those schools, bringing all the stakeholders to the table and running cycles of continuous improvement around classroom practice and, and then studying to see what is working and not working with regard to uh, wanting to scale it. And so that's, that's really the work we do. Um, Closely, we've been, uh, uh, you know, deep in uh, professional development and, and coaching, mostly in job embedded coaching around blended and personalized since like 2012, yeah. 2013. And so we've been working, um, you know, and coming to this conference for, for years and just always really appreciate, um, you know, the friends and colleagues that we've, we've seen and, and getting to get updates on their work and, and all the exciting things they're doing. But also, you know, the, the sessions kind of really give you a sense for where the field is and where the field is headed, um, where we may have missed some things that we need to be mindful of and come back to. So, um, you yeah, know, no, just a, an awesome opportunity every fall to be able to kind of reconnect with, with people and ideas. So one of the things that we've heard about from some of the keynote speakers is about the changing the entire system towards more of a whole child approach. Uh, and some of that starts with educator prep. Mm. And I know you just ran a session about educator prep, so yeah. could you share a little bit about what went on in there? Yeah, definitely. So we actually um, Skyped in uh, three professors from uh, Rhode Island College in, in Providence that we've been working with now for almost, uh, almost two full years. Um, they are early adopters of this work. They've been um, very curious at, at Rhode Island College to to think about how they kind of keep up with the times in terms of the changing instructional strategies that are happening in the classrooms where they are placing their student candidates, uh, their teacher candidates, um, but you know, also want to make sure that, um, especially at higher ed, that they're critical consumers of what it is that we're bringing to them and what they're seeing in the classroom. So um, very mindful of you know not just you know sticking kids on computers and setting and forgetting it, being very mindful of um, how are these uh, how are these new strategies working across um, you know diverse groups of students, students with special needs, students with severe and profound special needs, um, students that are English language learners. Um, so th there's a lot of deep questioning that uh, the higher ed professors are having, but what we've created in Rhode Island, which I think is really exciting, it's actually built on our fellowship model that we used within uh, K-12 for about the last five years called FUSE, which is really a teacher leadership and capacity building um, fellowship. We did the same thing at Rick, but we've, we found a smaller uh, cohort of these professors that what kind of wanted to get out in front and do all this questioning, coached them in their classrooms over the course of the last year and a half They've changed all of their practices in very different ways. You know, they, they kind of picked select practices that they wanted to really like drive on. And then um, right now we're kind of studying what has that impact been for students, so collecting a lot of student feedback, and then also then wanting to, you know, now expand and grow it. So we have seven new professors that have come on as cohort two 
they are now kind of at the earliest stages of selecting which practices they want to push on in their own classrooms and then that we just start that coaching all over again so yeah it's been a really incredible program it's very um relationship built it, it pulls all of these coach all these professors plus their administration and their student feedback together once a month to also kind of like look at it and 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 determine what is working and isn't working and not just kind of like you know let's let's drive on these practices but not actually think about how we we are actually redesigning as a school that okay so what is this going to look like in the future for, for them for them the ideal would be that they they feel like their classrooms more match what they believe ultimately the end user which is the students and families in the schools are required to know and have in terms of skill sets to be successful and so then you back that up so those teachers who become you know were teacher candidates but are now in service teachers they need to have the skills they need to have experienced that type of learning to be able to provide it for their students right. and so ultimately when they're in their teacher candidate candidate program they should be getting those experiences the classroom should not be lectures um, no matter how dynamic the professors are and that was often some of the earliest challenges we faced mm -hmm. where these professors are just amazing storytellers mm -hmm. and so they want to hear them they you know they they feel like they're shortchanging the students by not sharing those stories right. but really we want to transfer that load the cognitive load so that those students are the ones that are having to do the work and wrestle with the right. work because once they get out there on their own they're not going to have those stories to rely upon and if they're still using those same pedagogical models that they, that they witnessed their own professors modeling then the students are going to we're going to keep reinforcing the same these same models for years and years and years mm -hmm. so we're ultimately just trying to break those models at the teacher candidate level when they're in their experiences and and see if then that actually triggers more opportunities for kids at the end to get the better experience you said this was fairly new so do you have any of these students that are out in the schools yet it's a great question we are attempting right now to put together an uh, irb to be able to do a deeper study of this right now all we have is like um self um student um, student survey data mm -hmm. that they take a pre and post as they do their coursework but we haven't actually followed any of them into the field we haven't done the IRB yet okay that would be fascinating yeah no to totally see. totally to be able to and, okay. I'm and really be able to see it at this point where we have control classroom teachers uh, student candidates that are going out who have not experienced these classrooms versus students that have experienced these classrooms going out and being able to kind of look at how those experiences right. differ for what they're able to provide their students and what the principals hiring them feel like they're bringing to the table. Right. What has the, the feedback from the pre-service teachers been? Um, I'm curious about for those of them who maybe had not been in yeah. a more personalized environment, yep. suddenly being in that. Yeah, no, we, we have um, done a lot of focus group work with them and it is a mixed bag. And yeah. that is actually really challenging for the professors because unlike in K-12, where you don't really think about the... Um, the, uh, the fact that this is a consumer who's right. paying money for this experience, right. you don't actually think about, well, if I'm pushing you on something that you may not want to be pushed on, that's okay right. in K-12 because that's what my job is. And so in higher ed, you're kind of like caught in that, like mm. you're actually paying to be here. So if you tell me you would rather have me lecture, does that mean I should be lecturing? Right. Or does that mean I should be pushing back on what you think you want? Because what I believe you actually need is this, or what I know your students will ultimately need is this. And so there definitely are some that are just like, I wish you would just lecture. All my other courses, they just lecture. Right. And that way I can just take my notes, go home, read my notes, and then come back and pass a test. That's what that's I would, what I that's what yeah. I want, because that's where I can be successful. Versus like what actually like having to access your content online before you come to class so that you can have deeper conversations with your peers and be able to actually like 
do demonstrations and performance tasks and things while you're in the classroom. Those require more energy and effort on the part of the student, and so often you're going to get people that kind of push back on it. Yeah. So is it the in-service, pre-service teachers, they're in classes. Are they also students teaching at the same time? Yeah. Okay, so... I mean, sometimes. It depends on the, the professor, depends. right? Right. It depends, depends on what, what course that professor is teaching that particular semester. Right. Oftentimes, our professors that we're working with uh, might have a 101 and a 400 course, like, okay. in, the same, in the same time period. And, you know, they may say, I'm going to use some of these strategies in this course, but this course, it'll be really hard. So, right. yeah, yeah, But yeah. the idea is that they're starting to develop enough their own muscle right. memory within this that, that this will just be their practice moving forward. Right. And some of them right. have said that, like, after about a year and a half of coaching, I can't go back. I'm not doing yes. it any other way. Way. This is right. the way it's going well, to be that's now. The hope, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's good to hear. And it must be some really fantastic conversations among the professors oh, when yeah. they're talking about that push and pull between yeah. the, the consumer and kind of what's what should we be doing. Definitely, yeah. and I think often one of the you know the, one of the things when you can pull early adopters together. We noticed this also in our Fuse model when we had a statewide model where teachers were coming from all of these different LEAs all across the state. These are early adopters. They oftentimes are living and working within environments where they are um, in the minority in terms of their mindset for change. And so being able to come, come together with other folks in, the, in their, their um, school district that are of the same mindset is the, the conversations are incredibly powerful and, and the, the visions and the aspirations for where everybody can get to um, are really, um, you know, it's, it's really just fun to kind of dream in that environment. So one thing we always talk about uh, to wrap up our podcast, we talk about the do-dos and don't-dos of personalized learning. We always ask our guests for their biggest do-do. So what do you got for us? There's so many, but I think the one that is uh, really resonating um, for us as an organization right now and, and is, I think, one that lots of people, especially in this space, have, are really skipping over is where is the stakeholder voice in all of this work? Um, and so, and, and how is it not just being tokenized or, um, or, or just like a one shot kind of opportunity, but like, how is it actually, um, at the table in a driving ongoing capacity to be able to, um, to make sure that we're not creating unintended consequences through these changes that we, um, in our own isolation of being a, of educators and educators speak, think makes total sense, but isn't we aren't creating enough feedback loops. We aren't actually co-designing. We aren't co-constructing with the communities, with the parents, with the families, with the student voices at the table in an ongoing and continuous basis. Mm. Thank you so much for coming by, Sean. It was wonderful to talk with you. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. <laughs>